Hey, it's Dave. So welcome to a new live stream. I'm testing out some new streaming software. I'm changing my environment. I'm out here on the kitchen table. My camera, it might fall over. My dog might start barking. Just wanted to warn you guys. In this video, I want to go over the five reasons I think Tesla can and probably will disrupt logistics, hauling, and overall transport. Tesla last night had a um, Tesla semi delivery event where they've delivered their first Tesla semi trucks to PepsiCo. And this marks, I think, a monumental shift in the future of logistics, freight, and hauling. Um, it's going to be crazy. So what I'll do is I'll share some um, thoughts. So these five kind of um, reasons I think Tesla has a huge advantage. And then we'll open it up for questions uh, for people. So don't uh, um, uh, ask your questions until after I finish kind of my first five points because I won't be able to do two things at once. Um, all right, so the first reason why I think Tesla is going to dominate and um, disrupt transport and logistics and hauling is first off, they have a significantly um, uh, stronger and lower cost of um, cost per mile in terms of hauling and transport. So with trucks and moving from goods from point A to B, you have several costs involved. Right? You have the hardware cost of what the truck actually costs. You have um, the diesel cost of the fuel um, that the trucks are using. You have the human labor costs of people driving these cars You have the or these trucks, and you have the maintenance costs and other overseeing um, costs as well. Now, Tesla is, um, has a huge advantage on all uh, four of these fronts. So first off, with the hardware, the U.S. has an EV tax credit, and this applies to commercial uh, vehicles like semi-trucks. And so Tesla's going to have a huge advantage um, from the get-go of getting, I think, extremely high margins because of this tax credit. Uh, second off, if you compare electricity to diesel, electricity is going to be far cheaper right, than diesel not just now, but even long term, right? As um, diesel trends up um, and as electricity uh, gets more um, available through renewable means, you're going to have, I think, a bigger gap between the cost of diesel and um, electricity. All right. The third thing is human uh, costs. And with human costs, um, the cost to drive a semi-truck from a human driver, it's just going to go up over time right? with inflation and other things. But with Tesla, as they improve and as they solve autonomy, that cost is going to drastically lower to the point where perhaps you don't need a human in the driver's seat to um, drive a truck, right? So there's a huge advantage. And lastly, with maintenance and other, you have Tesla with their electric powertrain is going to be significantly lower maintenance costs than a diesel truck. And so on all fronts, Tesla has an advantage in terms of the most important metric for um, hauling and freight transport, which is cost per mile. All right. So um, another interesting note is in the trucking logistics industry, it's very numbers driven. It's very spreadsheet sheet driven. And the semi will win unequivocally across right, all these categories because all these categories are adding a cost advantage to Tesla. I think PepsiCo um, being their first customers will basically be the guinea pig and test this out and will prove it out um, through numbers. It'll be a great case study where Tesla can show, hey, PepsiCo drove this many miles um, across this many semis. Um, this was their routes. Here's how much they, they paid for charging, for uh, maintenance, the cost per mile for everything. And I think it will be a convincing no-brainer case for many, many companies to jump on board and ditch their diesel semi-trucks um, and convert to electric. All right, the second big um, advantage that Tesla has in this semi-truck and logistics field is better safety. So diesel trucks, inherently, they're huge, heavy trucks that aren't the safest things on the road. Um, <clears throat> for example, when trucks go downhill, you're carrying, they're hauling these immensely heavy trailers. And oftentimes you have a lot of risk of brake failure, brakes overheating. Um, and with Tesla, it's the opposite. With the semi, as the trucks go downhill, the weight actually becomes an advantage where they're actually able to recapture energy, right, through regen. A lot of accidents happen, right, with, you know, a trucks uh, losing control downhill, etc. And this won't be an issue or a problem for Tesla. Also, when you have faster acceleration, you're able to get out of certain situations faster as well, right? And so with a typical semi-truck, you know, it's like takes a long time to accelerate. So um, you're just more uh, uh, mobile and agile in a Tesla truck. Also, 
when uh, you're driving, Tesla's gonna have a lot of uh, safety advantages. Well, for example, in a in a typical Tesla, you have a, a in camera or in cabin camera that monitors right the driver. And Tesla's been developing this you know technology where they're able to monitor the driver to see what they're doing, and it's actually become really good, right? If you're looking at your phone for more than a few seconds, et cetera, Tesla knows what you're doing. And so this can be all applied to the Tesla Semi, where you have a monitoring system where it could really prod the driver if they're dozing off, if, they get, if they're getting tired, et cetera. And by doing so, that's going to increase the safety immensely, right? Because how many accidents are caused by people dozing off right, on the wheel, um, at the wheel, especially with semi-trucks, right? That it, once a semi-truck driver dozes off on at the wheel, crashes, you're looking at a huge accident. How many accidents is, are, is Tesla going to prevent just through like, this integrated technology of driver monitoring? You have a better uh, system of navigation, of controls, et cetera. All of this stuff matters. The cabin has been completely redesigned. So on a safety dimension, Tesla has a huge advantage as well. All right, third advantage is that Tesla um, has better leverage overall. And this is super important. So Tesla is reusing right, their motors, um, the back motors, um, I think the plaid motors. You've got basically reusing a lot of the powertrain elements. So you have you know, batteries that Tesla is using for other cars, just using for the semi. You have software they're using, electronics. Um, across the board, it's not like Tesla is starting from scratch. They're actually leveraging the past 15 years of innovation, engineering, technology to lower their costs. And this is extremely important because when you're starting a new product in a new area, typically you have low volume and you have extremely high costs. And this is what kills so many companies is their high costs of product um, basically cuts them off from a lot of the market because you have low demand at high cost or high price. What Tesla is doing is they're able to enter the market at a very competitive price because they're leveraging all of the other technologies. So it's not a new product in a sense. It's a bringing together of many existing right, parts and products. And when they do that, they enter the market at a super competitive price, and that ensures that they have strong and high demand. Now, the question is, how are other people, how are other um, uh, competitors going to be able to compete with this, right? And the question, the, the answer is going to be extremely difficult because if they come in to this market, they have to develop right a lot of the batteries and the technologies and the software and the powertrain, the motors, etc. And by doing so, they're going to have high cost, but that's going to lower demand for their products. And you already have a market where Tesla's entered, and so this is, yeah, this is going to be an extremely difficult market, I think, for for other competitors and for newcomers, especially with Tesla. Um, in the market themselves. Also, if you look at charging, charging is going to be a huge competitive advantage and mode for Tesla in this market as well. Tesla has spent many, many years developing their supercharger technology, and it just is leveraged, right, with this new product. So with their megawatt charger, you have the ability, right, for, tes for Tesla semis to charge <clears throat> in, a, in a very short amount of time, but this is not trivial technology. Tesla is building on their previous three generations of supercharging technologies. And they've had you know, millions and millions of charging sessions to go off of in data and testing. And so when Tesla's entering the semi-market, they're leveraging it and they're doing, instead of generation one of semi-supercharging, they're generation four, basically, of supercharging. And that's why they're able to deliver right, a megawatt charger, solve one of the biggest pain points with semi um, electric semis, which is their charging. Um, it's going to be amazing. Supposedly, this megawatt charge is going to be deployed, or the technology, with Cybertruck as well, which is insane, because this is going to be a huge improvement in charging speed. And I don't think, I don't know how many people are really grasping how much faster right, the charging can happen. Um, yeah, who knows? We don't know the real world you know, charging speed until Tesla you know, releases um, the Cybertruck in real life. But you know, let's say the charging speed cuts in half or so. That's a huge, huge accomplishment for Tesla. Um, yeah, and it's also, we have to ask the question, why is it improving so much, right? Um, and there could be different technologies involved. It could be with the 4680 cell, but it also could be with the architecture right, of the pack and charging too. Um, also, in terms of leverage, Tesla has just 
better performance altogether. I mean, all their parts work together. So you, you have this huge pack. So typically, if a new company enters this market, they're going to have to put a crazy, heavy, big pack, right, in the semi. But it's going to be clunky. And it's going to be hard to manage that safely. But Tesla, right, they have a long history of safety. They're able to put this pack in the semi. Um, they're able to get super performance because they're leveraging their existing motors and efficiency, right? They're able to do it um, without... Uh, taking a ton of energy and with low costs, which is amazing. So they've got all of the pieces put together. Tesla has the complete package and it's all coming together, right? In this product of the Tesla Semi. And many, many people have doubted um, Tesla's ability to deliver on the Semi. And I think there will be many, many doubters, right? Still to come who will say, oh, this is just a, a sham of a product. It's never going to sell. But the reality is, I think in the future, you're going to see trucks, semis completely trans, trans, transfer over, not just to electric, but to autonomous. And this is going to be a monumental shift right, in um, the, the trajectory and scope of transport. All right, fourth reason why I think Tesla is going to disrupt um, logistics and hauling is number four is... Uh, Tesla will take advantage of exponential technologies. So the Tesla, the semi, is actually more of an incremental uh, technological improvement. And well, uh, let me qualify that. So um, my, my main kind of argument here is that the hardware itself is an engineering feat, right? They're leveraging the innovations that they, they've had with other uh, technology in terms of motors, electronics, inverters, powertrains, all that stuff. And they're putting it into this product. And going forward, the semi is going to rely in terms of hardware on that in engineering innovation to improve its product. But you're going to get kind of more of an incremental improvement in the product over years, right? So the Tesla Summit will be better in five years, but will it be like radically better? Will it be able to get, you know, a thousand miles or 2000 miles? No. Will, will the cost drop in half? Not necessarily, right? This is more incremental improvement. Look at all of Tesla's cars. You know, they improve over time, but it's not like lightning fast change like software. So here's where I want, I want to make the comparison is with software, that's where you start to see some exponential, some super fast change especially when you are going into the areas of artificial intelligence. So the big change, I think, with the trucking industry is not necessarily the hardware, right, going electric. It's going to be in the field of cars driving themselves, meaning the computer drives the car. And that's with autonomy. So if Tesla's able to solve autonomy and they can get neural nets to drive semi-trucks by themselves on the road, this is going to remove the human in the in the picture, in the whole cost equation. And if you remove the human in the cost equation, the costs drop significantly. Not just that, you're able to increase usage of the hardware as well because the computer doesn't tire as much. You just need the charging. Um, the result is going to be, you're gonna have a radically lower cost of transport, right? And more transport is gonna be, uh, more people are gonna use transport, right? To, to, to ship goods. And this is going to, I think, radically change, um, perhaps even um, in a bigger picture, the cost of goods. Because if you take, a, take away the human cost of transport in the bigger kind of picture of what a product costs, you're gonna see um, products trend um, down over time in price, um, at least with the labor and the shipping cost portion. The question though is, how will Tesla capture right, some of this value? So some of the value will be captured by logistics companies, et cetera, but um, a lot of the value can be captured by Tesla because Tesla, um, hypothetically, um, if we assume that they solve autonomy and that there aren't others that are, for example, uh, as good or better than Tesla, if that's the scenario, then how can ca Tesla capture right, um, enough and a significant amount of that value created? I think one option is Tesla can release their own fleet over time and develop their own logistics operations where they're able to ship things. Um, but they also can do things where they could add a subscription or a kind of transportation as a service model where people have to, the trucking companies have to give Tesla either a, a monthly fee, um, a yearly fee, or a per mile fee to use autonomy. 
And that could actually, over time, over the, the lifetime of the, of the truck, be significantly more than the cost of the vehicle. And the margins off of that, if Tesla was to do, let's say, a, a monthly or a yearly subscription, could be just amazing because the initial cost of the vehicle, the cost of goods is taken care of, right? And they get margin as well. But all the, all the extra subscription revenue after that for the next whatever you know years is going to be basically pure right profit um, going to the bottom line. So Tesla has a very, very interesting business model where they can take the hardware in and of itself is actually an interesting, you know, um, profitable machine just because they're leveraging so much of their technologies. Um, but then on top of that, you got the autonomy kind of software subscription model, right? So you, you add on top of that extra profits and profits. And then on top of that, um, you have the potential of releasing your own logistics service, right? And that's additional, you know, um, potential as well. And I think, you know, over time, it's going to be interesting which ones, you know, Tesla does get into. Maybe they don't have time, right, to develop their own logistics. Maybe uh, Optimus uh, takes off and they're able to just focus on other things rather than uh, logistics, but we'll see. All right, the last and fifth reason why I think Tesla has a lot of potential to disrupt logistics and transport is um, because the field is wide open. So Tesla has starting, right, into this field saying, you know, they're releasing a semi, but the reality is this is just a first entrance into the field. The field of logistics and freight and hauling is huge, and each country has its own dynamics. In the U.S., right, we have mostly semi um, class A trucks that are huge um, transporting goods. In other countries, some of the trucks are smaller. And I think Tesla is going to have to have, you know, different types of trucks, right? So you might need a smaller version, right, for some other countries that don't really um, have the infrastructure to, 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 to have these big class A, right, um, cars on the streets and in the cities. Um, you also add on the Tesla van, which I think Tesla is working on, um, they obviously haven't announced it or released it, but if they add the Tesla van, now you've got another kind of vehicle where it's part of the overall freight and delivery system. If you add on Optimus to right, the van, then you've got the last foot delivery solved. And this is one of the most craziest things of delivery is if you have the, the heavy-duty trucking, right, right? So you, from the port, goods are loaded onto the truck, and then without a human, this truck is going to, let's say, a city. And if that can be even unpacked um, autonomous or through, through robots, et cetera, put into an autonomous van, the autonomous van goes to people's houses. And then the Optimus robot steps out of the van, delivers the package or the whatever it is to the front door. You've got the whole step, right? All the, the steps covered autonomously you remove the human but the question also lies who else can do that who else is in the position to go from port all the way to the person's house and how long will it take them to get that technology is if autonomy is a super difficult problem where you need world-class ai expertise huge amounts of data huge amounts of compute and the question is who is in a similar position or place to um, potentially right, solve all of those problems. And I just don't see it, you know. Probably the next um, uh, company in line is, might be Amazon because of their motivation. They have huge amounts of revenue. Their whole business model is, you know, built on, you know, not just customer service and great selection, but on low um, shipping, right, free ship, so-called free shipping and fast shipping. And so Amazon has a huge motivation to try to get into that market, to try to, solve autonomy and to try to solve the last foot delivery. But the question is, what is Amazon really doing? Like, have you seen impressive stuff about Amazon's full self-driving technology? Is it on the road? Are they beta testing? Are they letting people use it? I, you know, it's just, yeah, it's tough, right? And yet they have to rely on other hardware manufacturers like Rivian and others. You know, where are the robots? Sure, they're trying to develop drones and stuff, but I have questions about drones in terms of, will neighbors really want drones to, you know, going near their houses to deliver these packages around their kids. And it's just noisy. It's loud. I don't know how safe it really is. People are going to feel. Um, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know how 
safe people are going to feel around these drones. I think just an optimist last foot delivery, that makes sense because humans are already doing it. It's just the same thing. There's going to be, I don't think, very little objection to an optimist robot delivering right, a, a last foot package. Um, but yeah, where's Amazon's optimist robot or humanoid robot or are they even making uh, or working on one? All right, so overall, all of these parts fit together. Um, you have the vehicle, engineering, the battery innovations, all the software stuff all coming together in Tesla Semi. But on top of that, you have all of Tesla's uh, software and AI and FSD experience put into the Semi, right, to, to help solve autonomy. And all of the FSD experience and investments will likely pay fruit in terms of a humanoid robot, which then extends the advantage of having the semi, the van, you know, FSD and all of this stuff together. And the conclusion is you've got the complete package. You've got basically Tesla in the position to dominate logistics hauling, you know, the whole nine yards in a way that no other company um, can really, I think, successfully compete with Tesla, at least in the near term. Maybe in the long term, if Tesla slows down, loses its kind of mojo, whatever, maybe other uh, companies can catch up. But that's not probably in you know the five year time frame. That's maybe even you know longer than the, the than the five or ten year time frame. So um, yeah, really interesting um, uh, things um, to think about uh, following the Tesla Semi event, and. I think that Tesla downplayed a lot of the potential of the semi and the entire potential to disrupt, you know, shipping and hauling. And there are a couple of reasons for this. First off, it's a sensitive topic, right? You have millions of people employed in the trucking industry around the world. The U.S. has a lot of people as well. Um, and it's not, let's say, PC to say that you're going to, you know, cut out all humans. And I think it's wise for Tesla to be conservative and cautious in their so-called projections because this is going to take a long time. You might have a lot of trucks like every year being sold, but Tesla, for Tesla to, to replace those, it's going to take many, many years. It's not going to happen in the next decade. Tesla's not going to replace right, all of the trucks on the road. And so as a result, you're going to, it's going to be gradual over time. If a truck driver wants to drive for the next 10 years, right, they probably will have a job. Um, and when it starts to get more evident that Tesla is, you know, taking more and more of the market share, I think people will have ample time to prepare to go into other industries. So Tesla is wise, I think, not to overhype, overpromise, and to have this gloom and doom projection saying that, oh, we don't need any more truck drivers forever, right? That's not going to be the right move for Tesla. Tesla has been wise in how they're you know, presenting the optics of Tesla Semi is saying, hey, this is a human-driven right truck for now. And uh, they're not sharing their super, I think, obvious, ambitious plans to really disrupt and transform right the entire way things are, are shipped and transported. And yeah, what's the point? Why does Tesla need to detail every single tiny thing right that they're planning on doing or that they would like to do or, or that's potentially possible? It doesn't really help them um, as a company um, it actually can hurt them, right? And just cause more opposition. So yeah, Tesla semi event. Yeah, it was uh, purposely, I think, muted in some ways. Purposely, a lot of stuff wasn't talked about, right? Why didn't Tesla talk about autonomy much? You know, why didn't they talk about the future of like the power of what happens when you could just autonomously, you know, move trucks? Like that's super interesting. But yeah, it's a good thing that they, um, I think they left that out. All right. Um, one more last point um, before I take questions. And actually, you guys can go ahead and um, um, in the comment section, just if you have a question, type question, all caps, and I'll try to answer um, uh, some of the questions before I end this live stream. I'll probably answer maybe five or six or seven questions. We'll see. Um, so last kind of um, tidbit before I, uh, I answer some questions is... Um, I was asking James Dama, just texting him this morning. I was like, you know, is is FSD, if Tesla sells FSD for passenger cars, is it really um, going to be much difficult? Is it going to be um, very difficult to apply, right, that FSD, the same FSD to Tesla Semi, right? So that, I mean, that's an interesting question because, you know, how easily, how much, um, how soon after, Tesla solves 
autonomy for passenger cars? Will they be able to right, solve autonomy for Tesla Semi? Um, and uh, James's, James Dama's response is basically, yeah, it's going to be a straightforward port right, of FSD, but there's going to be you know, some things that you would like to test on the semi-trucks. It'd be good to have a fleet and you know, test that out before maybe rolling it out to all of the semi-trucks. Um, and I think it's an interesting kind of thing to think about, which is FSD, I think in its essence, the biggest part of it is perception, meaning the problem is computers um, have yet to be able to understand the world as well as a human can, right? And what I, what I mean by understand is, is to know every single object right in the scene where it's moving, how it's moving, and what the object is. Like, is it a dangerous object to be concerned about or not? Humans aren't perfect in this regard with everything, but right, our biological neural nets are very good, right, with just two cameras or two eyes to be able to do a ton of, you know, um, uh, calculations in a sense to really um, understand what they need to do. Um, once you understand the environment, then it's pretty simple. Like you just go straight, you go left, right, you speed up or you slow down, right? There's not too many, um, too many choices there. So with Tesla solving FSD, if they're able to do it with passenger cars, that means that they would have solved the problem of perception, at least perception good enough to, to be safer than, let's say, a human driver. Now, if they're able to have already solved, let's say, that perception problem in passenger cars, they just need to port that over right, to the semi-truck, but then that basically means that they've solved the problem of semi-FSD you know, FSD as well. So I think a lot of the software, the neural nets, everything probably will port over. There might be some nuanced stuff with you know, Tesla Semi that they want to test and, and make sure that it's safe. Right? You're going to have to have more braking distance, probably slower accelerations, a bigger vehicle. There's other factors as well. There might be some maneuvers you don't want to do, um, like let's say going around turns, right? Like you have to make sure that that you calculate everything perfectly. And that's a semi thing because you're carrying a, a trailer as well. So there are things, but they're not um, insurmountable things. They're not like daunting things. They're things I think they're pretty straightforward uh, for Tesla to solve. All right, guys, let's go into some questions here. Um, <clears throat> all right, um, Adam says, how much do you think the Tesla, the Cybertruck prices have changed since 2019? Yeah, we're gonna start, we're gonna see uh, the prices. I think Tesla in, initially will release like probably the performance model, the trimotor, if they have it still. Um, but they probably want to do the, the limited quantities. They'll be high price first. Um, yeah. Um, and then they will slowly go down, you know, the models. Um, I don't even know if they'll do a standard range model, you know, just, yeah, I think yeah, I mean, maybe they, they lower the batteries, but I think you're going to have to have a decent amount of range. So I expect Cybertruck prices to go up significantly. Um, we'll see, yeah, how it goes. Bastian says, uh, we start to see pivot in government spending from IC to EV, which will benefit Tesla. I see bigger picture being potential pivot in military spend into cyber and semi-truck optimist. Your thoughts? Yeah, I mean... That's, I mean, government could follow, you know, consumer spending, um, and they do spend a significant amount. Um, cyber truck is semi, yeah, you know, I mean, will Tesla like? I, I think Tesla doesn't want to get into the the market of being a government contractor, right? Outfitting, say, cyber trucks to make them, you know, military trucks per se, because they want they don't they want to have more of a neutral stance in terms of politics and military around the world so they can sell right across the world so if they sell to the government the government's probably just going to have to take you know just the cyber truck as is and let and they can they can outfit the cyber truck whatever way they want right that's like tesla's like hey that's not our business um uh, what do you think, um, this is from Kevin Wong, what do you think is Elon's master plan part three? I think a lot of it is is scaling all of the things necessary to make a huge impact, a big impact, right, toward moving the world to sustainable energy. And what that means is, it's probably a couple of parts. One is, how do you get to 10 to 20 million vehicles? You need massive amounts of raw materials for batteries, right? That's a big thing. How do you get to a ton of semi-trucks and and not just heavy duty, but um, medium duty, 
commercial vehicles and vans as all this, you need a lot of batteries too. So um, Elon's going to outline what it takes to get the massive amounts of batteries and raw resources to make that happen. And the second part is autonomy, right? I think Elon is super confident of autonomy, but also what does that mean? How do you roll that out? Um, yeah, with FSD and, and uh, Optimus as well. Um, Ter Terrence Lee says, hey Dave, what was the reason Tesla's uh, third quarter ASP or average sales price is lower than expected? Do you expect to see that continue into Q4? Yeah, I think um, uh, large part of that was probably China sales. China's ASP is lower than the US. Uh, Q2, you didn't have as many China sales because of Shanghai shutdown. So you have, you know, um, Q3 lower. I think, yeah, we're going to see probably lower ASPs going forward um, into next, this quarter and into next year. I mean, it's the harsh reality is you have lowering car prices. Uh, you have lowering pressure of, of luxury goods as well. You have a weakened economy. I think inflation is abating. And so all of that results is, I think, a slightly lower ASP um, going into next year. The question is how much of that lowered ASP from the hardware is, can be offset from a potential increased uh, take rate of FSD, right? But the problem is FSD is only really out for North America. And yeah, the question is really by the end of the year, will, that up to, will the, the take rate increase so significantly that it can outweigh a good portion of, let's say, downward price pressure? That is a question. How much will margins be hurt? But then on the flip side, you have margins that might be helped by, let's say, ramping factories of Austin and Berlin too. So there's a lot of uh, question marks about yeah, Tesla's um, financials or just what exactly it will look like uh, going into next year. Um, Faisal's Adventure says, uh, Dave, Tesla has unveiled many amazing products in the past like Solar Roof, but they weren't actually mass produced. How quickly do you think Tesla will ramp the semi-production? Yeah, so I was at the Solar Roof um, uh, reveal. I think it was like 2000, was it 16 or so? in like Hollywood Universal Studios. And my reaction was, I was like, hey man, this is not like this, this product is really hard and I don't expect it to ramp very easily. And there's a ton of work and I'm not even sure about the business model overall. And the reason is because in order to get it to work, you have to really get it to work. This is a roof you're talking about, but it has to like be, you know, similar bar ballpark as a regular roof that's not solar, which is like completely different technology. You just step on whatever on your roof and got a roof. But to make it like, yeah, just solar roofs is it's such a, a huge, ambitious en engineering feat. Even at the demo, you know, they, they, it was more like they had it on. But when I was talking to the engineers, like they didn't, it wasn't like really working yet. They were, they were doing a proof of concept, right? And they're like, we're, we'll figure out the details later. Um, so yeah, all that to say, I think the Tesla solar roof was one of those products where um, it it was um, kind of this engineer, ambitious amb engineering attempt at a product with a questionable business model. Um, I, I I think Tesla in, in this in the very long term um, can get it right with the Tesla roof, and over time it can become something you know decently scalable. Um, it could make sense as a business model. I'm not saying it's not a great business model ever, right? I'm just saying it's a tough one. Um, with the semi, now the semi is different because it's not the hardware where eventually you're going to be making all the profits. It's going to be the software. It's going to be the AI and autonomy, right? And so, yeah, the the, the hardware is just the shell. It's 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 the it's I want to say it's the distraction or the chosen horse, but it's it's basically you know. It's just, it delivers the software, it delivers the autonomy, right? And autonomy is where I think ultimately you're gonna see the profits um, and the crazy margins uh, come in. Uh, Rahul Shah says, hi Dave, how would you live off Tesla stock with current volatility? See, this is an interesting question and I have some reservations about, you know, how some people are like, how much Tesla stock do I need to retire or something like that? I, I don't really like answering those type of questions. Um, Tesla stock at this time, at this stage of the company with this ambitious future plans is going to be a volatile you know, stock right, over time. And, and a lot of it is because the multiples investors give will change depending on sentiment. And sentiment changes based off of market conditions, macro conditions, and even like the wind. I mean, literally, sentiment can change you know, um, because of many, many different reasons. Um, 
and that affects the stock price and affects stock prices with higher multiples even more. So um, my approach would be more, you know, living off a of Tesla stock. Why not have divided up where you have one basket of assets that are safer assets that provide income, um, either income or the assets are large enough where you can live off of, right, with minimal withdrawals from that set of assets. So you're set in a sense. You've got, you know, and maybe it won't work for those who have higher living expenses. And it could be a very difficult and more long-term goal for many people who maybe don't have a high income to save enough to, let's say, buy certain assets like that. But um, if you have high income, um, if you're ambitious, it could be an interesting strategy where you have one basket where you say, yeah, let's do it with more safer assets, you know, um, and live off of that and the Tesla basket, or it could be other more, you know, aggressive investments, that stuff that you don't need to live off of per se, it's, it's extra stuff that you can, you're, you're going for it. You're really trying to invest and grow so you can do some, uh, you can impact uh, the world. I mean, that's my personal approach. I know, um, uh, not everyone can, is in that position and a lot of people need the Tesla stock um, for their living expenses at some point of time. So that's, yeah, definitely an interesting challenge. Um, there's some family members I have are, are older and they have Tesla stock as one of their largest assets. And that's a big question is like, how um, do you live with Tesla stock when you're older? Let's say you're past, you're in your deep into retirement, um, but it's a very volatile stock. And I think probably the my kind of leaning is is you need to have enough other safer assets to balance that. Meaning, you know, Tesla stock is gravy. It's great for appreci possible appreciation, but to me, it's very nerve wracking if you don't have enough safe assets to live off of. Right. Um, yeah, that's not a great place. And so, um, for the family members that for the family member that um, has Tesla stock or significant amount, they have enough in regular kind of you know whether it's real estate or other stuff um, that that can provide that income, right? So that's kind of my approach. Um, uh, hey, Dave, a little pushback by Schuler Oliver. Will the motors actually be able to handle all this weight for 1 million miles? Time will tell. Yeah, I mean, the good thing is um, a few things. First off is these motors are being tested all the time. They're being improved over time. The motors they're sticking into the semi aren't new motors per se. Um, maybe they're new to the, the Plaid and et cetera. But Tesla's, yeah, it's, it, they're leveraging their existing expertise, right? And their ongoing um, ex, uh, um, expertise with all their vehicles. Um, the other thing is, even if they don't uh, go a million miles, you just replace them. Overall, the cost of a motor is going to be a tiny, tiny fraction of the cost of, of, of operating a, a semi-truck. Um, a lot of it will be electricity, and eventually a lot of it will be autonomy, right? The cost of autonomy that they pay Tesla. Question, does Tesla have to split into multiple companies eventually? Yeah, I mean, that's an interesting question. I think... Um, uh, I think it was Farzad who said that, you know, people will complain one day that Tesla, uh, in terms of autonomy, um, is a monopoly and Elon's like, you know, probably. And I think that's an interesting thing where, is if Tesla has such a big lead in certain fields, will people complain that, you know, it's unfair? And I think, yeah, they'll complain. The question is, um, is there a risk of Tesla being sued by the government for being a monopoly and will they break up Tesla? I think that low, that risk is very low because oftentimes with monopolies, they do um, um, anti-competitive behavior, right? Meaning they really are out to cut the legs of their competitors and they do some really questionable and shady stuff um, as in the case of Microsoft. Um, but with Elon, he actually is welcoming competitors, especially because in the bigger picture of sustainable energy is actually it helps that long-term goal to to more quickly fulfill you know the world's transition to sustainable energy so i think because of that there's some insulation to you know the threat of being broken up because tesla is so welcome to competition 
take, for example, opening up the patents. What company does that, right? It's very, very welcoming of competition in a lot of ways. So I'm not too worried about you know, the, the threat of、um, Tesla having to be broken up into multiple、um, companies. Uh, Zibnik uh, says, Hey, Dave, how about logistics centers? Does Tesla need those? Yes.、Yeah, I mean, if Tesla goes beyond just providing hardware and software to trucking companies and logistics companies, they actually start their own logistics company, then it's going to be a huge endeavor. But they could start small、um, and just do the things that make sense. In a sense, Tesla already has their logistics company with their own products. Like, think about All the stuff they need to ship back, like Fremont to Nevada, back and forth to you know, all the raw materials, the, the finished products, the, the vehicles, all the stuff. So Tesla is running, in a sense, a logistics company、um, and they can grow into that as well, right? And they can see if that makes sense to expand that, right? Even for other customers or not.、Um, yes,、yeah, definitely interesting. So do they need logistics centers? They probably, their factories, right? Their, their warehouses are logistics centers in a sense already. Did you anticipate that Megapack being an additional product that semi truck owners need to purchase? Does this change any of your future revenue projections, estimates? Yeah. No, all this stuff is taken into consideration when like, a trucking company buys trucks. They're going to factor in the cost of the mega chargers, the, the cost of the electricity,、uh, maintenance, all this stuff into their projections, right? And so that is,、um, yeah, it, it, it's. Like a lot of these companies amortize, they just, you know, it's, it's over time, right? The total cost. Unexpected Fire says, What do you think the chances are, are of a Tesla bus, inner city people mover? Yeah, that's interesting because buses aren't necessarily the most ideal form of transportation if you have super cheap robo taxis that can take you exactly from point A to B. Right? So I'm not too optimistic on the, the potential of a Tesla bus, like something that carries 30 or 40 people. I think if you have a Tesla van, That's autonomous, that could be used for many purposes like delivery, like you know, different stuff. And people want to use it as a multi person hauler too. That's fine too. I mean, that's cool. Cities can buy it and use it.、Um, yeah, I think definitely you can achieve lower costs per person if you put 10 people into a car or into a van. And yeah, Tesla should do it.、Um, but I don't think it should be a focus because I think it can be a distraction in a lot of sense. Roger Starkey says, It seems all that will be missing is the Tesla house. Thoughts? Yeah, Tesla house, again, like you have to ask yourself、um, a few questions. How fast is the technology improving in that field? And can you, what can you leverage to really have a sustainable competitive advantage that you can increase margins over time? Housing is tough because it's low margin. It's like, yeah, it's a one time you know, selling the, the house and that's it. There's no like recurring subscription, high margin business off of houses. So, yeah, that's why I think Tesla going to house is, is a tough one, right? I mean, they might make HVAC, they might make some things.、Um, but when you're already leveraging like the fastest changing technology in the world and perhaps the history of the world, which is artificial intelligence, and you're, you're, you basically you've tapped into the big one. <laughs> Meaning, that's where your margins are going to come from. That's where your revenues can come from, right?、Um, maybe Optimus eventually can build houses, right? Uh, uh, but that's more of an ancillary business or something that other people can do.、Um, Larry the Lobster says, Will Tesla focus more on AI for bot or FSC or are they the same thing? Yeah, they're very, very related.、Uh, they, there are differences too, but you know, a big push is solving for perception. Uh, figuring out the environment around them. I think they're going to need, like, basically, you know, the neural nets are going to have to understand the, the, the environment around them as good as, and better than a human.、Right? That's the problem Tesla is solving. If they're able to do that, then they can navigate those environments like a human or even better. And so, yeah, these things are related、um, and they feed off of each other. <clears throat> All right.、Uh, Stereo Review X says At the semi truck event, do you think he didn't mention things to keep the competition at bay? I don't think Elon's、uh, concerned about the competition at all, like almost 0%. I think he understands how hard it is to do what Tesla's doing. 
And I think he would probably welcome the competition, say, hey, try try to make a great semi-truck. We'll even help you out a bit, you know? Um, so I don't think it's the competition. I think it's more the perception of if Tesla's too aggressively kind of, um, what's that word? Uh, just, I wouldn't say proud, but if they show off too much about their ambitious goals that haven't happened in terms of getting rid of human truckers, like that's not good. Like that's that's like no point. There's no point to do that, right? Because you're sending the wrong, not just the wrong message, just the in, inaccurate message, right? Because I think truckers will have a job for many, many years to come because the transition is going to take a long time to go all electric and all autonomous, especially for the trucking industry across all countries. This is, yeah, a huge thing. <clears throat> Uh, Brian says, uh, how fast do you think Tesla will be able to implement nationwide V4 charging for semi-program? Um, you know, I, I think most of the charging is going to take place at like private facilities that, from these uh, trucking companies. Like PepsiCo installs their own, you know, mega chargers that, you know, from Tesla that Tesla provides. And most of the charging is done via that way. Um, yeah, I don't know how much Tesla really needs to provide, you know, accessible multi or, or megawatt charging right for um truckers i mean there could be some I, I guess they eventually will have to for you know cross-country trips right i think initially a lot of semi is going to be within that 500 mile range at least for the time being so yeah they would i guess have to roll out some megawatt charging stations um but then some companies can do their own too right if you're a large company you just set up your own like you know you have distribution centers etc you set up charging stations, all that stuff uh, to make it happen too. That's another option as well. Um, will Tesla Semi be insured by Tesla Insurance? Well, perhaps, but I think a lot of these trucking companies have their own insurance uh, companies. It's a big field of trucking insurance. So um, yeah, and it's just, they're not at a high volume enough for Tesla really, I think, to be interested in insuring um, Tesla Semi right now. Um, where do you rank uh, the Tesla AI team compared to the open AI team and other world-class AI teams? Um, so there was another question. So, uh, someone was saying, uh, talk about chat GPT. So yeah, open AI is really interesting. Um, um, they're doing some really great stuff, especially opening up their AIs and their technology for developers and companies to use. And I think this is a huge, huge opportunity. Um, Back in 2007, I remember telling my wife, I thought the App Store was going to be the biggest opportunity like in, a, in the decade. And I think I was, I wouldn't say I was right, because there always are big opportunities. But at least for some people, it was a huge opportunity. And including for my wife and I, it became a huge opportunity for us. I think right now, we're, like, it's very clear to me, AI is a huge opportunity. And I think the companies that can provide those foundational AI kind of technologies uh, provide that base layer, and then you can build companies on top of those AI technologies. Um, for example, Instagram didn't create the phone. They didn't create pictures, etc. Um, they built on top of the iPhone, right, on top of the mobile experience, and they were able to create, you know, a huge business. And I think, you know, there's a huge opportunity to build multi-billion-dollar businesses on top of foundational AI you know, technology that are provided by companies like OpenAI. So um, it's something um, I look into a lot. And um, yeah, actually let's do, let's do something kind of uh, interesting here. Um, I'm gonna go ahead and um, um, just completely um, un, um, unplanned here, but I'm going to go ahead and uh, let's share my screen like this. Let's do um, this way, and I'm going to do present um, share screen. I'm going to do a window of OpenAI. Okay. So we got open AI here. So let's go ahead and, and do a quick thing of, um, here we have a chat GPT, okay? So chat GPT is basically a, um, a service where it's a chatbot. It's an AI chatbot, right? That open AI has released just, I think, yesterday out of, 
uh, like for public beta. And so you can kind of give a lot of ter lot of things. Um, let's go ahead and ask uh, ChatGPT how many class A trucks are sold in the U.S. every year. Let's see what it says. <clears throat> I'm not able to. Okay. Additionally, my training only goes up to. Interesting. So it doesn't. Ah, uh, so I guess this chat GPT is not browsing the internet data. Hmm. Okay. So let's try something else here. Let's go to op uh, beta, open AI, and let's go to playground. So open AI has a playground where you can actually tap into GPT-3, their AI supercomputer to get kind of talk with it, get what you need. So let's ask the, the same question here. How many class A trucks? Let's see what open AI GPT-3 says. Okay, so however, based on it's estimated approximately 500,000 class A trucks are sold each year, okay? That's interesting. So let's do, how about, let's do globally. Globally every year. Okay. It's difficult to predict. However, some estimates suggest that over 1 million class A trucks are sold um, annually. Okay. If you regenerate it, um, there's this button you can regenerate and it gives like kind of different answers. Huh, someone estimates 1.09 million units in 2020. Yeah, I would say that's, um, let's do how many vans um, are sold globally every year? Um, wow, some estimates put the global sales of vans around 10 million units per year. That's a lot. Um, I guess there's lots of definitions. So I just regenerated for another answer. So according to Statista, global van sales to totaled 6.3 million units in 2020. Hmm. Not bad. Um, let's do how many truck drivers are in the U.S. According to the U.S. Bureau of Labor, Labor Statistics, there are 3.5 million truck drivers employed in the U.S. in uh, 2019. Wow. Um, yeah, interesting stuff. <laughs> All right, guys, that's just a, a sneak preview into what OpenAI is, is doing a little bit with their GPT-3. Um, anyways, uh, a big opportunity um, uh, for, for AI. And um, yeah, um, back to the question, Kevin. So Tesla is doing something fundamentally different. They're not really, um, uh, at this point, right, Tesla's focus is more on the real world, physical world, perception of real world, right? That's Tesla's uh, bread and butter. OpenAI and others have basically, they're scraping kind of, you know, the, the internet, taking all this data, making sense of it, um, allowing people to understand it and, and, and allowing AI or neural nets to be able to communicate and express different things, right? Create stories, et cetera, um, images, eventually videos and all this stuff. Um, so different things. Eventually, I think there's going to be more and more convergence or a closer type of um, overlap of what's going on. Um, just like with you know, a Tesla AI starting to use transformers, et cetera, like, or language models even in their latest kind of um, AI day. So it's going to be interesting to see um, things uh, evolve over time, right? But right now, right, they're two separate, I think, approaches. And um, Tesla is mostly with Tesla vision, right? That's kind of their focus, AI vision. Um, others are, are um, doing a lot of language and um, other stuff as well. All right. Um, do you see a price cut in 2023 as Tesla's cutting half the IR credit for current in inventory? Yeah, it's, it's tough to say in the U.S. because if you have the federal tax credit, let's say 7,500, we still don't know how much Tesla will qualify. So the question is, that's a, a boost, but is it going to be enough boost for Tesla not to cut prices at all? So will this Tesla just announced uh, yesterday a 37? 3,750,000 discount for the month of December, right? If you take delivery. So the question, the big question is, will that continue? Will they just extend it, right? Um, we'll see. Um, they probably won't. And then if, if demand is, if orders are lower than they need, then they can bring back the discount, right? That's probably the game plan. That's my, um, 
my thoughts. Um, what can Elon do to restore his public image? It's to the point where my neighbors are telling me they won't consider a Tesla vehicle because of Elon's reputation. Yeah, I think this is an interesting um, risk, which is can Elon um, polarize enough people where it impacts demand for Tesla vehicles in a significant way? To this point, um, this hasn't happened in terms of Tesla's history. Like Elon has been a very polarizing figure, but it hasn't reached the level where it has, I think, significantly impacted Tesla's sales or demand. The question though, going forward is, can that be a, a, a realistic risk, right? Can he be such a polarizing figure on a completely different level where that actually does happen? Um, it's an interesting question to, to ponder and um, difficult to answer. On one hand, Elon's, you know, I would say it's not necessarily his intention, I think, but he's getting into the political, um, uh, the political drama and um, the heated uh, political environment in the U.S. and globally um, through his actions at Twitter. And for Elon, I think it's more of an engineering problem. He wants to solve, you know, he wants to make Twitter better. Right? And he wants to instill some free speech values where he, you know, as Twitter gets improves its value, that Twitter can play a significant role in preserving the free speech dialogue that's essential for democracy to function. And so for Elon, I think it's straightforward. But for others, they perceive his actions and his comments as not just very political, but as trying to sway public opinion to impact the political um direction of the company and sway people and thus it becomes a very very triggered topic like politics triggers people like no other um maybe religion too <laughs> put those two up and so um yeah that's the question you know and the question also is you know does elon need to be as vocal as he is on twitter to accomplish the same goals and that's another thing yes he's head twit and etc but by doing that and expressing views on political issues that take extremes or take st strong one side, the other side is very the other side is very disappointed in. Will that ostracize and polarize people even more to the, to the point where it's like not necessary to accomplish what he wants to accomplish with Twitter? Right. So that's another question, I think. Um, yeah, uh, to think about. So this is not something I think that's going to be solved uh, right away. This is going to be something that's going to be ongoing a bit. I think um, the most likely scenario, and I'm not saying this is the only scenario, there are other scenarios, right, that, that are possible. The most likely scenario is that Elon probably starts to learn how to navigate his comments on Twitter to be more, in a way, like uh, less polarizing, uh, less triggering to people, and that Twitter does get better and... Um, yeah, that's one scenario. But the, there's another scenario where the triggering doesn't stop, right? Meaning people continue to get triggered and it gets worse. That's another scenario. So yeah, you've got to um, uh, um, consider options here. Do you think um, the macroeconomics will play a role for Tesla in 2023? Well, it always does in some way or another, right? Um, whether it's demand, whether it's cost of, of goods, supplies, et cetera, or supply chain, et cetera. It's going to play a role. Um, the question is, how big of a role? What will the macro situation look like? And I think Elon is preparing for possible, you know, could be a severe recession. And Tesla, I think, is in good position to weather it out. They have good cash reserves, uh, a great product that isn't um, where the people that Tesla appeals to, they're not, all, they, Tesla will still have demand for, from a certain segment of the population, even in uh, right, uh, a severe recession. Will it hurt demand? Of course, recessions hurt demand, right? Um, but not to the point where it's going to like kill Tesla, right? It, it could reduce, they might have to reduce some prices to increase demand, et cetera. Um, but lots of stuff are up in the air. So it's hard to say this is what it's going to look like for sure. It's going to be a moving target, I think, um, in the future. Kevin, what probability will Google search be disrupted by a future version of G chat GPT? I think chat GPT is a little bit narrow. Open, uh, OpenAI GPT-4 is coming out soon. It's going to be interesting to see what that does. And who knows, in the future, I think Google does have its work cut out for them, meaning they need to up their game with AI, and they are. 
know, they've got some of the best people too. So, um, yeah. Um, Michael Singleton says, um, do you think Tesla should manufacture and lease these trucks to start? Yeah, leasing trucks, that's an interesting idea, you know? I mean, for Tesla to own it, yeah, it's not bad. I think it, it does make sense also just to sell it and take these early uh, companies as partners where they will share data and kind of promote the product by their usage in a way. Like PepsiCo, hey, you know, Pepsi, Pe Pe PepsiCo is using it, so why, why can't others use it? Type of, you know, advertising or promotion. So I think there's um, definitely some advantage for what they're doing right now. But in the future, yeah, especially with autonomy, I think up until autonomy gets solved, then you know, Tesla might lean on selling. But once autonomy gets solved, then I think uh, the business model could change significantly. All right. Uh, Chris Moore says, do you expect a new factory announcement by the end of the year? Uh, not necessarily. Um, I think there are some rumors about South Korea, Canada, et cetera. I think Tesla takes their time with this stuff. They want to make sure everything is is set right. Um, so we'll see. But yeah, I think another factory in North America and Asia makes sense at this point within the next six or 12 months, at least an announcement. Wouldn't be surprised. <clears throat> Um, how was your Thanksgiving? What are your plans for year-end 2022? Yeah, Thanksgiving was great to just hung out with my family. 2020, end of 2022, so I don't know if this is going to happen, but we're, I, I'm playing around with the idea of taking my kids and my wife, so us, our family, to um, South America and traveling around to maybe seven or six or seven countries over two months or something to mostly get exposure. I want my kids to really see the world um, and to be connected to the world. Um, but it's a daunting task, you know, planning this with a four-year-old and a seven-year-old right now. Um, we'll see if it, if it works out, but that's the, that's a possibility at the end of the year to, to launch on that. And then 2023, we'll see. I might be traveling um, a lot as well. I would love to spend significant time in Europe and Asia. Um, We'll see if that happens next year. But yeah, the world is a big place. Um, yeah, I, I, the, I mean, the U.S. has some good things, but um, one of the things that I want to counter with my kids is kind of a tendency for people in the U.S. to think that U.S. is like the center of the world, that everything revolves around the U.S. Like when, when, do you, when you step out of the U.S., um, yeah, a whole world opens up, I think, for people who have grown up in the U.S., where there's different ways of, of doing things, different values, different, and yeah, every culture, every country tends to offer something, right? A, a value and uniqueness. And so um, I think that's a special thing. Um, for the semi, why do you think they went with design for a day cab but not the sleeper cab? Yeah, um, it's probably a lot of it is just the the initial specs for that the companies wanted. For example, PepsiCo, you know, they wanted something that it's like a it's a day truck. Meaning, if you can only charge five, let's say you can only go to five hundred miles and you don't have the mega chargers all rolled out across country, across your distribution centers, then you're going to do like more shorter trips, right? NorCal, SoCal, et cetera. And Long Beach to NorCal or Long Beach to Arizona or other places, right? So if that's the case, then they probably didn't need a sleeper cab because there weren't going to be these long multi-day trips. But is a sleeper cab coming? Yeah, I think so. I mean, it's um, probably if if if, they're, if the companies want that right, but then the question is, how long will it take? Where you don't even even need a sleeper cab, right? In the in the in the truck. So yeah, really uh, interesting stuff. Morton Sigeti says, will they build trucks in China and Europe too heavy to ship around the world? Yeah, I think it's uh, definitely possible. I think they might need different type of truck. 
I think you know U.S. is good for what they have right now. Um, I think if they're ready to make a, a slightly smaller truck, you know, for Asia, for Europe, I think they could manufacture overseas. Um, you know, I don't think I don't know if it'll be too. I think I don't think it'll be too heavy to ship too. You know, um, uh, these aren't trucks that have like fully loaded trailers on them. They're just you know uh, heavy duty trucks. I mean, yeah, they're they're heavy, but. Um, yeah, it's. I don't think it's prohibitive of them shipping them either. Um, Liam Nyagard says, "Do you see Shanghai shutting down again?" Yeah, right now I don't see you know much signs of that. Um, I, I know Beijing was having some some um, COVID um, activity, and there's some questions about that. But Shanghai, I haven't heard about that lately. All right, guys, it's been over an hour of fun, um, um, fun live chat here. I'm testing out this new software. It worked pretty well. I think I can see the comments a little better on my end, so that's helpful for live chat. I'm testing out a new environment, hanging out here in my kitchen. It's actually much more relaxing. My studio is actually a closet um, in a bedroom where, I mean, it's a decent, it's a decent sized closet. But it's not like a room or anything, right? And so I'm stuck in a closet. You know, I, I close the curtains in my room because of the lighting. But here, like, the lighting goes, it changes. So in the beginning, it was lighter, brighter. So there's, like, downsides, too. But um, I'm more relaxed out here. Um, it's kind of more just chilling. Um, so, yeah, um, different look. But thanks for joining, everyone. And hope you guys have a great uh, start to uh, the, the month of December. All right, see you. Bye.